This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Get here. It's kind of blue as sin. This shall pass, okay? It's good to have all of you here watching by live stream. We're glad you're with us. If you need a Bible, our ushers will gladly get you one. Once you get your Bible, go with me to Galatians 6. Give you an opportunity to receive our tithes and offerings tonight. Just uh, give you a little, little men of iron taste here. Um, it was very similar to in here tonight. Just the presence of God began to come in. and we just, It was a Friday night up in Gloriette. And I mean, God was moving. God was moving. And a good friend of our church, Kelly Castleman, who he's a, he's a seer, S-E-E-R, an Old Testament seer. He was there, and so, man, when I would, I would see God move at night, I would always have to find Kelly and say, man, tell me what you're seeing, what you're seeing, and he'd always share about it, the angels, but this one Friday night, he got over, man, he started telling me that Jesus showed up, and he said, I'm, I'm telling you, I've never seen angels like this in all my life, so while he would tell this, I mean, the presence of God would come in there. So the next morning, I'm at breakfast, and I begin to share with a group of men about some of the things that took place the night before. And many of the men were saying, man, Pastor, I sense God. And I said, well, there was a reason we sense God. So I look up, and there's Kelly. He's in the cafeteria. And I said, come over here and share a little bit with these guys what went on. Well, it started out about 10 men. Then it went to 15. Then it went to 40. Then it went to 50. And it probably got to be over a hundred men and men were standing on tables listening in and he began to share what was taking place and I'll never forget he, he was sitting right here by me and all of a sudden he stopped I mean just and his head dropped and then I'm looking and I'm thinking oh Jesus and all of a sudden, these big crocodile tears, they start hitting the table with him. And I looked at him and I said, Kelly, is Jesus here? And he went. And that whole area went silent. And the presence of God was so real and so thick that day. And I... I never let go of those encounters. And so I'm just giving you a little taste of what's going to happen here in the next few days, next few weeks. So get ready. Goodness of God, huh? Goodness of God. All right. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do, do not be deceived. Uh, make no mistakes about it. God is not mocked. God will not be made a fool of. Keep reading here. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now we hit this a lot of times. You go back into the book of Genesis. That's where the law of sowing and reaping begin to take place. But here it is again in the New Testament. He goes on to say, verse 8. 
For he who sows to his flesh or the things of this world will of the flesh or of this world reap corruption. But he sows to the spirit the eternal things will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Why does he say that? For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a season, but we've been in seasons in my life where it seems like, and I'm, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to, but yet I'm, I'm not seeing the results that I thought I should. Anybody ever been there? Probably all of us. But he makes a comment here and he says, don't go weary. Don't get lazy. Don't, don't, don't stop for in due season. You're going to reap in due season. You know what I found out due season means? It's on God's clock. It's on God's time. And God knows. And so when I look at what he's talking about here, my, my giving, my serving, my loving, these are all good seeds. And whether you realize this or not, all day long with everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm planting seeds all day long. And guess what? The seeds that I plant, those are the way I'm going to harvest. Now, the only one that determines what I'm going to sow is me, okay? So if you don't like the seeds you're going to harvest, change what you're sowing. And say, man, Father God, I, I welcome this, okay? Lord, help me, all right? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We thank you again. Woo, your word is true, Lord. Whatever we, we plant, we'll reap. And Lord, right now, I pray over every one of us a grace that we don't grow weary. But Lord, we hold fast to the God who said, and in due season you'll reap if you faint not. And we thank you for those promises in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, well, a couple quick announcements. Uh, youth cruises Sunday night at 6.30. Uh, and next Wednesday night it'll be a family worship. Be sure and come to that. And then again, the men of iron, it's not too late to sign up for that. If you got a Bible, go with me to 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13. And uh, just a couple good news that I'll share here briefly that our men's bathroom is complete. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's not open tonight because it's still kind of a mess in there. Uh, I would tour you in there, but I don't know that that would be a great open house for some of you women to go in there. Uh, after a night, it'll be a, it'll be a war zone. So again, I don't think you'll ever want to go in there again anyhow. But it is, it is done. It's very nice. So thank you for all your patience and all that. All right, we will begin tonight in 1 Samuel 13. Now, let me give you a little bit of an idea of where we're going. If, if you were here probably two weeks, maybe three weeks ago, we got over in a story in 1 Samuel 15. Actually, I'm going to go back to that later tonight. But in 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel, he said to the king, which was Saul, he said, listen, dude, you, you got to obey God. You got to obey. And we know in that passage that Saul didn't obey God like God desired him to do. 
And so because of his stubbornness, it led him to covetousness. But better stated, because of his, uh, his stubbornness, he became susceptible to covetousness, or other words, he wasn't content with the things he had. And so we talked about this a little bit last week. First Timothy 6, 6, it says the goodness or the godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. The New American Standard says it this way. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. And so what you begin to see with this king named Saul was that he wasn't content with the areas of his life that God had blessed him. So it led him to begin to covet some things that he shouldn't done. And so there was error in, in King Saul's life. But what I didn't share that night two weeks or three weeks ago, this wasn't the first time that King Saul had got over in disobedience or error in his life. So I want us to take us back to, to 1 Samuel 13 and begin with me here in verse 5. And oh my goodness, this is going to be good, okay? Verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. Now, if you're a Bible scholar or you love to, to study the things of the Bible, uh, the Philistines were the giant Goliaths. These were his kinfolk, okay? This is who the Philistines were. So the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots, and some translations differ on that. Some say 3,000, but still a bunch of them. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in a multitude. Now, when you're looking at this army, this, this could be very intimidating. So he goes on to say, and they came up and they camped in Michmash in the east of Beth Aden. All this Philistine army, this massive Philistine army, that they're ready to go to battle. Verse 6. But when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed. For the people were distressed. Now I'm going to come back and give you a definition of that here in just a minute. And it says, because they were so distressed, they hid in the caves, the thickets, the rocks, in the holes, and in the pits. Anywhere they could hide, they hid. So right here, Saul's military, his, his men of war, they're no match at all. They're nothing in comparison on paper for what they're getting ready to, to come out against. So they're, they're, in, a, they're in a tight spot. They're, they're hard-pressed. So the word here, distress, that he's talking about it means to be pressed or fatigued. It also has, has the meaning that life starts squeezing against you. So they're, they're distressed. And so when I read this, I have this thought, okay. When the enemy comes in like a flood against me, how, how do I deal with these things? Do, do I become distressed? 
Do I become fatigued? Do I run and hide? Or do I look to God? And it's a question for every one of us. And here's the question to begin tonight. When life gets real hard, who or what is the first thing you turn to? Oftentimes, we'll pick up the phone and call people. I mean, every one of us in here, it may look different how we deal with distress. But the key is I got to go back and I got to get God back into my life. So, man, it's a bad day right here. Verse 7. And some of the Hebrews, the Jews, the Israelites, they crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. You know what this literally means? They, they ran. They were what the military would say. They're AWOL. They're absent without leave. Actually, a better translation of this is they said, hey, let's get out of Dodge. Let's get out of here. This isn't good. The enemy's got them on the run. As for Saul, the king, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. So Saul, again, he's the king, he's the leader, he's the commander-in-chief, but the pressure is on. And when I read this to a degree, this is one of Saul's worst nightmare, and it's unfolding right before his eyes. But Saul knows this. Help is on the way. So we keep reading here and we'll talk about that. Verse 8. Then he waited seven days according to the time that's set by Samuel. Now remember, Samuel's the prophet. Samuel's the priest. So evidently Samuel has said, listen pal, I'm going to come in seven days. Back to verse 8. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So this, this prophet, this priest Samuel, he's scheduled to come, and he's scheduled to, to offer these sacrifices here. And so it's very apparent that the, the, the soldiers, they're already beginning to abandon Saul. And, and obviously, he feels like his leadership is at stake. So, Samuel doesn't show up when he's supposed to. Watch what takes place next, verse 9. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, he brings it himself, and so to a degree, you know what he does? He, he blows Samuel off, and he takes matters into his own hands. Now, we may look at this and think, this isn't a big deal, but Samuel, or Saul, knows he's not authorized to do this by God. The only one that was told or had the authority to take the sacrifices before God like this was the priest or the prophet. And so again, it's reserved for the priest or the prophet, but he has the thought, you know what? I'm the king. 
And the pressure is on. The clock is ticking. The Philistines are closing in. And desperate times call for desperate matters. Now, as I study this, this is one of the thoughts I begin to get. Was the prophet Samuel, was he delayed to reveal what was actually in King Saul's heart? Because when life starts squeezing us, you'll find out what's really on the inside of you. When life is easy, life is smooth, man, you just coast. But when life starts coming at you here, your character will be revealed. And when under pressure, your heart will be revealed. And so it's the same with every one of us. So he takes matters into his own hands. Let me ask you something. How many of us have ever taken matters into our own hands? And how did that work out for us? Not very good. And I made this comment last week. It will wear you out trying to be God. It will wear you out thinking you're Holy Spirit Junior. Because we're not called for that, okay? Verse 10. Now it happened as soon as Saul had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, that Samuel shows up, and Saul went out to meet him that he may greet him. So he sees, he sees Samuel the prophet. He says, what's up, Sammy? Verse 11. And Samuel said, what have you done? Now, he didn't ask him as this is a question, what have you done? He asked him because he's in shock because he knows you violated something that God has spoken to us about. You know better than that. So he goes on to say, Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come with the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, I, I had this thought. I had this brilliant idea. The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Again, I took matters to my own hands, but, but Sammy, you didn't come when you were supposed to. What'd you expect me to do? This is all interesting. This is all right here in the Bible. Verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. Woof. The fool in scripture is one who is devoid in moral and spiritual character. You have done foolishly. You have played the part 
of a fool. But watch how he describes the foolishness that he did. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. So when I know what God commands me, but I willfully choose not to do that, I have given myself a tattoo called fool or foolish. Guilt is charged. And he ends this verse and he says, for now the Lord will have, would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. The Lord would have. And so literally, you know what he's saying here? Your destiny has been altered because of what you did. Ooh, that's very powerful, isn't it? I believe part of the issue here was Saul tries to justify his actions. And behind every excuse is nothing more than disobedience. And you know what Samuel's saying to him? He's saying, listen, pal, you didn't disobey me. You disobeyed God. It was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded to him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So Samuel clears out any confusion and he brings Saul back to the issue and the issue was, do you obey or do you disobey? Do I obey only when it's convenient? Do I obey only when it's on my timetable? So he really, really goes after in here. And so in difficult times, Saul had the thought, you know what, when it's not easy, it's difficult. It's okay for me to choose the best route I need to take. That's not true. You gotta stay with the kingdom of God. You gotta stay with the word of God day by day by day by day. And when we live for God and we serve God, we will face adversity, hardships, difficulties, tribulations, you know, the Lord Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have tribulations. Not maybe so, you will have tribulations. As long as you're on this place called earth, there will be pressure, there will be stress, there will be a squeezing that's going to come at us. And the squeezing there is, again, is to find out what's really in, in us. The Passion Translation says you will experience trouble. So the question I see off of that, will I obey in difficult times? Will I obey in difficult times? Now, turn with you just a couple pages to 1 Samuel 15. And this is where we were two weeks ago. Now I'm gonna take us back into this and you're gonna see some things that I believe will come alive on us that may describe me. So 
In chapter 13, he was battling the Philistines. Here we are in chapter 15, verse 1. So Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Heed the words of the Lord. Now, I read this a couple weeks ago. Heed it. But this time, that word heed is totally different. You know why it's totally different? Because Samuel said, you need to heed the word of the Lord. You know why? Because your track record hadn't been very good. It wasn't that long ago that you disobeyed me, so guess what? You're getting ready to have another opportunity to obey God. I don't know if you've ever figured this out with God. But God doesn't just pass us. When we flunk, you know what he said? Nope, you're gonna have to redo the test. But I'm 45, and I'm still in the first grade, yeah? And you're gonna stay in the first grade until you pass the test. And I wanna help you, but you gotta get past it. And so even with Saul here, when he says, you gotta heed it, I believe Samuel saying, I hope you learn from what happened last time. Do you know in life you learn one of two ways? You learn by wisdom and experience the things in life or when people tell you the word of God tells you, don't do that, or you learn the hard way. Most human beings, we start out learning the hard way. And life slaps us pretty good. And before long, we realize how intelligent our parents are. You remember this old saying that when I was 14, I thought my dad was stupid. When I became 20, he became brilliant. Some of you got it, every guy. Same thing with the kingdom of God. Same thing. So he says, heed it. Verse two, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came out of Egypt. So they're on the way to the promised land. Now go and attack Amalek, which was the Amalekites this time. And utterly destroy them, all they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now this is pretty self-explanatory. This is pretty clear what the, the, the prophet Samuel said. This is what you're to do. So modern translation, I would say, well, do, do I need to text this to you? Do, do I need to email this to you? Do I need to put this on your voice? Do you get it? And I believe Saul is saying, I get it, I get it, I get it. Verse seven. And Saul attacked the Malachites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took or captured Agag, king of the Malachites, alive. Now that's kind of a head scratcher right there. That breaks, the, that breaks what the command was. And he utterly destroyed all the people at the edge of the sword. But, but, Saul and the whole people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep, the ox, and the fatlings, the lambs, and all was good. And they were unwilling. And unwilling is a condition of the heart. I'm either willing or I'm unwilling. Who, Lord, grace us to be willing. 
to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. So now we begin to see something in here. Was Saul's covetous behavior? Was his desires driven by insecurities? Were they driven by discontentment? And why, why would we have that thought? Well, the first thing I point out is, why did he keep Agag, the king, alive? What, what benefit was that? Well, the benefit of that was a defeated king that was in your presence was, was like a living trophy. It was like a ego boost. It was like me saying, I'm, I'm living large and in charge. Look what I got. So he's saying, look at me. The second thing, to keep all the, the animals, the, the ox, the sheep, the fatlings and the lambs, anytime he needed a boost with the people, he would give them these great animals. And the reason he would give them this great animal, they would look to him and say, Ooh, King Saul's such a great leader. He's such a great king. But off of verse number nine, there was a word that jumped out to me so much that I marked it in, in orange in my Bible. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best. And the best. Do I have to live with the best? Does everything I have, does it have to be the best, the latest and the greatest? I, I got three pair of Jordan, but they're the best and I need another pair. Is all I wear is the best of Versace, Michael Kors, is the best of, of the, the sunglasses, the Ray-Ban, the Oakley, is the best. Now, let me say something here. God's not as against us having the best, but he says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So you know what God's saying? Don't, don't take matters in your own hand. You seek me first and you watch what I'll do. So, so much of this goes back to when I receive the things in my life, who gets the glory? Does God get the glory? Or do I go around and say, I'm so smart. I got it right up here in the kidneys. I'm smart. Verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I, I greatly regret that I've set up Saul as king for he's turned his back from following me and he's not performed my commandments. He's not loyal or obedient. He's not performing my commandments. You know what that says right there? He's making a pattern in his life of disobeying me. This isn't the first time he's disobeyed me. He's done it repeatedly. Now watch this. Woo, you'll, you'll see some things in this, verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went up to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he's gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. 
Now, wait, wait just a minute. What did it say? He set up or he built a monument of himself. Does, does that not reek with pride or arrogance? And I wonder if he built that, that monument of himself behind the, 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 the song was singing, How Great Thou Art. How Great Thou Art. Listen to this off of this. While pretending to sacrifice to God, Saul was sacrificing to his own ego. Look at me. The God of me. Turn real quick, same chapter, verse 24. Oh my gosh, I gotta get to the end of this. So Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord, your, your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now it's interesting here, when you see this, it appears that he's very repentant. He said, I've sinned. I've transgressed, but he ends this and says, but I feared the people and I obeyed the voice of the, the people. I feared them more. So who do I fear more? Do I fear God or do I fear people? Now I'm gonna read this pretty quick because I gotta get to the end of here. Verse 25, now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. It all sounds like his heart's right. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. God doesn't look innocently or kindly when we reject the word. When I reject the word, I'm rejecting him. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbors of yours who is better than you. You know why he's better? Because he obeys. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent for God is not a man that he should relent. The word relent is to repent or to change. God can't lie. God cannot lie. Now watch verse 30. Then Saul said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. You know what just took place here? His real heart was revealed. To me, honor me in front of the people and of Israel. You know what he just said? Saul was more concerned with his image, with people, than with God. And I go back and I look at this entire passage. He coveted the position. He coveted fame and prestige. He coveted the best animals. And I believe every bit of that was because he wasn't content he wasn't content with just being the king. He wanted to be more than that. And so when, when I read this, this idol of me that loves prestige and fame, man, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Godliness 
with contentment is great gain. And when I look at the godliness that says, man, I, I want to live for you, Father God. I, I want to please you. I want to obey you. Grace me and mercy me in this area. Lord, I, I, I want to seek you first. Why don't you stand up here with me? He viewed his, his status with people more than his relationship with God. Who we'll bow your head here? Father God, we stand before you. Ooh, and Father God, ooh, if you feel comfortable, raise your hands here to heaven. Father, we, we stand before you. And Lord, we've all broke your commandments, every one of us. And Lord, we pray right now that you would forgive us of that. But Father God, that our heart would be so much to please you. That our heart would be so much to live for you that Father God, we, we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul and our mind. And, and Father God, we love you for who you are. We, we don't love you for what you do for us. We love you for who you are. And Lord, we ask that you would move within us right now. And, and Lord, if there's any covetous within us, we'll pull that up. Father God, if, if we've become discontent, with so many areas of our life, Lord, we ask that you would move within us and you would help us today. And again, Father, your, your grace is sufficient in our weaknesses. Woo, come alive with us with your mercy today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.